Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game. We are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. Another jam-packed show for you today. We start with Sasha Sarowski, the D1 reigning champions for the Maryland men. What a run in the NCAA tournament, giving Sasha his third national championship as he enters his 27th year. Matt Cushing, a phenomenal man, phenomenal coach at Wheaton in Massachusetts. Left us way too early, folks, passing away at 51. He would turn 53 today. The Matt Cushing Fund is underway to raise $25,000 for a young and up-and-coming coach in the New England area. Matthew O'Toole, the head coach at Clark University, will be here to talk about that. We've been talking to a lot of young coaches, getting a break to become a top-level head coach. Caltech has a new head coach, and Ellery Gould, her first chance at being a head coach. Ellery Gould joins us. And then two more members of our United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30, Evan Bransdorfer and Melissa Charlotte. And it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com. Once again, here's Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, as you just heard. We got a big show today, and as always, we kick off with the reigning D1 champions. We did it last week with Mark Krikorian. He won it for the women at Florida State, and what a season for Sasho Sarosky, the University of Maryland. He's called it gratifying. We'll learn more about that as Sasho joins us off the top. Sasho Sarosky entering his 27th season as the top man at Maryland. Thanks for being with us, Sasho. Dean, always great to be with you, and very excited for uh, starting the, the 2019 season. That's incredible. You've already been a couple days into practice, but I told you before we came on the air, I'm not going to let you say we can't talk about last year because it just was an amazing season. At one time, you're around 500, you're having trouble scoring goals, and you never stopped believing in that team, Sasha. Remind everybody why it was indeed so gratifying. Yeah, that's the perfect word. Um, you know, it was a team that I really liked. You know, we set a goal of resetting the culture, which I thought maybe we lost our way a little bit in the uh, 2016 and 2017 seasons. We, we were winning a lot of games and still had very good seasons, but I, I felt like maybe we lost our identity a little bit in the, of the way that we wanted to play and the way that we wanted to uh, uh, to be identified as a team. and. And this team was doing that, and and I felt really good about the team all the way through. You know, we started out 0-2 and 2. We played some great teams, all of the games where I think we could have won. Uh, then midway through the year, you're four, five, and three, and you're sitting around going, "I still like this team. I just feel like we're we're ready to break out." And and sure enough, uh, things started to come together for us. Um, we got some kids healthy. Uh, the chemistry was great. The leadership was exceptional. Um, we just needed to tweak a few things, and once we did that. Uh, man, it was a wonderful ride down the stretch and and a season to remember for sure. If I do remember correctly, you did not allow a single goal in the NCAA tournament, right? 
Well, you know, what's interesting is that, yeah, we didn't allow a single goal in the NCAA tournament, uh, but the, the untold part of uh, our run towards the second half of the season in the playoffs was that we also scored a goal in every game. We didn't have to go to penalties in any game. So I think we went uh, 15 games in a row by scoring a goal, uh, which also is, is a part of identity because we're known as an attacking team, and we seem to have lost a little bit of that menace in our attack, and I, I thought we started to get that back uh, as well. So it was uh, we did it at both ends of the field, and that's what makes me really proud. We've had great times talking about the 2005 team, especially with uh, my broadcast partner, Jason Gary, the 2008 team. But you've also been very honest about, man, I may have left a couple on the table. And then to get this one, perhaps that makes up for some of those, Sasha, right? Because you never lost that belief. Well, yeah, it does. You know, I've been fortunate enough with my teams to have been to nine college cups. And, of course, we've been in the NCAA tournament uh, uh, virtually every year. I've been in Maryland except for the first year. Um, so so we, we're a contender every year. But, man, I tell you, in 2012 and 2013, there was, I felt we could have won both of those years. Um, heartbreak. And I go back to even my 2003 team where I felt we were the best team in the country. And we sort of left that on the table. Yeah, so in a lot of ways, uh, I, I feel like maybe I'm underachieving as a coach once I get to the College Cup. So hopefully we can keep... Uh, add, add another one or two more and uh, make up for some of those uh, tough losses. Yeah, just a, a magical year and no underachievement at all. It is a powerhouse program every single year. All right, so a couple days into practice, how much do you even talk about last year, Sasha? What was your opening day message just a couple days ago? Well, we have a, a saying with you know on the field when you when when you either make a mistake or you do something great, we just file it and we move on and. Uh, you know, uh, the, the important message here is that uh, we need to file last year, that this is a new chapter in the Maryland soccer book, and that uh, our goal this year is to is to write uh, a really good chapter and, and leave a legacy for this year's team, the 2019 team. Um, and we, we, we've done that throughout the spring, uh, and now we have to continue with the newcomers as, as they've come in. We made it very clear that uh, last year was last year, and, uh, um, you know, we are not uh, defending champions. Uh, uh, we're going out to pursue another championship. Uh, that's our goal. Um, you know, four words define our program, which is building champions, pursuing championships, and building champions is is the process of trying to get better every day, being the best version of yourself you can be every day on the field, off the field. And if you do all those things right, uh, and, and we do pay attention to the details that define our program, then we have a chance to pursue a championship. So um, excellence is our goal every day. And if we do those things, we have a chance to contend. And uh, uh, last year is last year. It's history. That's not going away. Uh, now we want to hunt for another one. New chapter, new challenges, though. You lost a lot of players, and then you've also got this increased challenge knowing that you recruit superstars, and then some of them decide to go homegrown, usually maybe one. You had three go homegrown. So remind us, everybody that graduated or went pro early, and and plus three others, right? Yeah, so we had uh, lost six starters from last year's team, and five are playing in, in MLS. Um, we had Chase Gasper um, um, and Amar Sadich, um, Donovan Pines, 
um, Dane St. Clair. Those four are all in MLS. Uh, and then we have Andrew Samuels and Sebastian Elner in USL. So we had six players go to the pros. Um, but then we had three incoming kids that we signed. Edwin Cirillo, who's now playing for FC Dallas, Justin Hack, who's playing for New York City FC. And about a, a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, George Campbell from Atlanta United uh, signed a homegrown deal. So so we had three, you know, really great incoming players who decided to uh, uh, to home homegrown. So, but we've uh, you know we've replaced all those guys, and I, I really like the guys we got coming in. Um, obviously, some of them uh, we haven't tracked as much, and we've had to uh, bring them in. And there's a little little risk of the unknown, but I, I really think that we're going to have a really strong team again, and, and I expect us to be a contender. Well, you were winning so many games. We've talked about this before in the ACC and winning the tournaments you're going to the Big Ten you're winning the tournaments and you're like the Big Ten's going to get better the Big Ten's good the Big Ten's not bad well last year folks three Big Ten teams in the College Cup that's pretty strong well, it was uh, it was a great year for the Big Ten and, and really a proud moment for me as well because one of the messages I always send to people and then one of the first things I tell my players when they come in to, into our locker room is that you're part of something bigger than yourself and and uh, Part of your job is to leave a legacy here and to make this a better place when you leave it. And that's how I felt when I got when we got into the Big Ten. You know, I love the ACC. Um, we were all surprised by the move, but this was our our place now. And my goal was to help elevate the Big Ten in soccer. And uh, the coaches there welcomed us with open arms. Uh, they're just a wonderful group of coaches and, and, and great universities. And hopefully that we we've helped. Uh, you know. Uh, bring in a tide that maybe has raised all the ships. Obviously, great programs with great histories, including our, our big rival in Indiana. Um, and I think that, you know, I know talking to Todd Yeagley, I think they were the happiest people that we came into the league because it's just made the whole league better. And uh, and uh, last year, having three teams in the College Cup from the Big Ten was was a was a great moment for all of us, and we hope to continue on with that. Uh, obviously, we have the Big Ten Network, which is does the best job of broadcasting college soccer games uh, anywhere, and and uh, we have some scintillating matchups this year, and it's, it's it's exciting. Well, and you're not just about the Big Ten; you're about college soccer. You did just mention the challenges of some of these guys going pro early, but uh, as you sit right here, right now, once again with the the world as your stage, talk about the importance of men's college soccer, coach. Well, you know, I love men's college soccer. You know, I've, I've spent my entire life, uh, uh, you know, professional life in the game. Um, I understand our challenges more than anybody, and I've worked extremely hard my whole career to try to make it better in in various different ways. And uh, um, I think we we don't get enough credit for the good work that we do in in player development and growing the game and helping the infrastructure in this country. Um, but that's okay. Um, we're also working hard to promote the game and move it forward. And our, our next challenge is, uh, you know, pushing forward a 21st century model, uh, which is to play college soccer over two semesters and move the championships into the May-June time frame. And I'm, I'm incredibly uh, optimistic uh, that with the vote next April that we have a real shot at passing this. Uh, I know there's been a lot of naysayers all over the country. This won't happen. This won't happen. Well, uh, myself and my, my colleagues have worked very hard at this. And uh, uh, this past uh, uh, April, the Big Ten 
ACC and PAC-12 all passed uh, legislation within their conferences to, to sponsor the legislation. And I think by the time November 1st comes around, I expect us to have a... Uh, a, a try or a co-sponsored bill of, of the three power conferences, and we are working diligently, um, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, sort of under the covers with all of our coaches and, and all the various conferences to try to make sure that now we get over the hump and get that vote in. So this is a full-on, you know, lobbying political campaign effort now of education, inspiration, a lot of perspiration uh, to try to get uh, to get this done. And uh, th- this is a uh, this is a massive, massive time for us. We finally uh, are going to be have our day in court, our referendum on on moving the game forward, and uh, I'm excited. Yeah, Rob Keogh, the director of college programs, uh, was on just a week ago talking exactly about what you just mentioned there, and and d- again, kind of putting uh, more sunlight on something that uh, looked like it was getting a little cloudy, but it looks a little brighter right now, Sash. Well, Dean, there's very few things in my life that I, uh, once I start them, I don't finish it. And uh, uh, there's been a lot of doors that have been shut along the way, and we just keep knocking and knocking and knocking. Sometimes we have to wait a little while, and then we knock again, and we come up with solutions and amendments and adjustments. but when you're passionate about something and you know where you want to get to, uh, you stick with it. Uh, you stick with it, and you believe in it, uh, as I do and my colleagues do. Uh, this is the right thing to do. And I, I want to remind everybody that uh, this is not just about the 50 players that might go pro every year. This is about the 5,000 players that play college soccer every year. We need to make the sport better for them. We need to have proper rest and recovery, proper periodization, proper training and development, proper balance on the academic life so that we're not playing a midweek game every single week uh, during the fall season um, and that we can spread things out. And we've got to give the championships a chance to really succeed. Uh, we have a great game, but we're not doing it the right way. Um, you know, as, as just a, a, a quick soundbite, but the, the national championships, the final four for college soccer doesn't work. You cannot play a game on a Friday finish the game at 10 o'clock at night, turn around and play the game of your life on Sunday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, that's that's senseless. Uh, the game suffers, the players suffer, and the time of the year that we have the game suffers. So I think if, if we can pass this, I think you're going to see an unbelievable breakthrough of men's college soccer becoming a preeminent sport in in college athletics. That would be huge, and I can't let you go since you mentioned knocking on doors. Uh, I come on the air of the Big Ten Network, Ludwig Field, the house that Sasho built, and we need to build a bigger house, Sasho, because you guys deserve it. Uh, how's that process going? Well, it's progressing, Dean. Uh, you'll, you'll be happy to know that we have uh, brand new LED lights coming up at Ludwig this year, so we'll, we'll uh, We'll be able to do some fun things there, and those lights were put in position so that uh, the next phase of the stadium project is in place. Uh, the university is working very hard at trying to find a location to, um, to to relocate the track, which then opens the door to put in uh, what I believe will be the best facility in the country. Uh, we, we have a metro line that is being built that's going to go right through the middle of campus. Um, that is going to be what every MLS team has been uh, trying to do. Uh, this, this is phase one is already in. The new lights are in. Uh, we've got several phases, but 
the year I'm eyeing Dean is 2022. That's the year I'm hoping that the college soccer world sees a two-semester season. At the same time, I'm hoping that all of the phases of the Swarovski, excuse me, the the, uh, the Maryland Soccer Stadium <laughs> is is complete. Uh, didn't mean to say that. Actually. <laughs> no, that's what it should be called. So I'm okay yeah. with that. Absolutely, it's got to yeah. be. I mean, the, the the work that you do off the field, Sasha. I mean, I'm telling you what, everybody appreciates it, particularly those like me who love college soccer. So this is awesome. So glad that you could start our show as uh, men's college soccer preseason is underway. And sure enough, Sasha will be calling your games really soon. Looking forward to it. Well, we're excited, Dean, and thanks for all the great work you do to promote our game, and uh, looking forward to seeing you soon. Sasho Sarosky, my mom loves when I say that name, top man at Maryland. Stay with us. More from the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap. Being a coach means being a lot of things. Mentor, teacher, role model, motivator, leader, organizer. Of course, it's not easy to be all those things. You need help. And who better to help you than an association of fellow coaches? Membership with the United Soccer Coaches includes access to over $500 worth of e-learning courses, an improved online resource library with more than 1,000 activities, session plans and articles, $1 million worth of liability insurance, and a whole lot more. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org join and start your free 30-day introductory membership today. United Soccer Coaches, your association for all things coaching. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Staff. I want to thank the great Sasho Sarovsky for being on the program. He is, of course, the reigning national champion coach at the D1 level. As promised, we're going to be joined now by Matthew O'Toole. He's the head coach at Clark University for eight years, spent one year at Amherst, spent a couple years at Wheaton, played collegially at Providence, but I go back to those couple years at Wheaton, and here's why. Pay attention, folks, as we tell you about an amazing man who left us way too early, Matt Cushing. Matt Cushing spent 23 seasons at the helm of the Wheaton College in Massachusetts their men's soccer program from 1994. That's a big year. Remember, the World Cup came to the U.S. in that year through 2017 until his passing on August 28, 2017. From his arrival in 1994, Matt compiled one of the highest winning percentages among active NCAA Division III coaches in the country at 735. He was the 43rd men's coach in Division III history to reach the 300-win milestone with a final career record of 328-113-43. Amazing. In 2001, Matt was recognized for his commitment to coaching and high level of achievement when he was named the New England Coach of the Year by United Soccer Coaches. In 1988, Matt graduated from the University of Mass Amherst with a bachelor's degree in sport management from the prestigious Eisenberg School of Management. He served as captain on both the 86 and 87 Minutemen soccer teams. Post-graduation, Matt served on the coaching staffs of his alma mater as well as the Rutgers University and Lafayette College. It is the goal of the Matt Cushing Fund to raise $25,000 to award an annual scholarship 
to a deserving coach from the New England area and to carry on Matt's charismatic spirit. And one man among several men, from what I understand, that definitely wants to carry on that spirit is Matthew O'Toole, who will be forever tied to Matt Cushing. Here's how. He actually, as a youngster, played under Matt Cushing as part of the ODP program. Then after a great career at Providence, including his final year under Shaka Daly, his first two years he was an assistant coach for Matt Cushing at Wheaton before going on to other jobs that stop at Amherst and now in his eighth season at Clark U. Today would have been Matt Cushing's 53rd birthday. Today is the day to push forward to raise the $25,000. And with that, we welcome in Matthew O'Toole. Matthew, thanks for being with us. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. You knew the story already, but even just hearing it right there has got to bring back, you know, big smiles. I'm, you know, I'm sure a little bit of sadness, but certainly a great man from all that I've heard. Yeah, no, it's always, you know, wonderful to to hear about Cush and, and, and all the people that he affected, you know, throughout his career in coaching and, you know, in putting this scholarship uh, piece together, you know, we've pulled a lot of pieces in and so we've been pretty active with it lately and so it's just a nice reminder, you know, and this time of year as we approach preseason, you know, uh, this is the time where him and I will be talking the most. So it's, it's wonderful to be speaking in his honor today. 51, way too early. As you know, he'd be 53 today. Why should people make sure that they can give, whether it's $5, $50, $500? I think that, you know, as as people reflect throughout their lives, you know, there were different people for everybody that, you know, helped them move forward or uh, gave them a chance or a leg up in a situation. And I think that, you know, Cush did a wonderful job, not only with his assistant coaches, his student athletes, but also alumni from UMass where he helped pay it forward. And, uh, you know, they don't have to be big gestures, like you mentioned in the donation aspect, but, you know, we get a chance every day to make a difference, and Cush was definitely one of those guys that uh, was loyal and, and helped pay things forward. Let's talk about that first interaction with Cush, as you call him, as a 16-year-old, part of the ODP program. What do you remember about him as a coach, as a youngster, Matthew? Yeah, so being 16 and, and, and playing up a year in ODP, it was, uh, you know, it's an impressionable time. And uh, I had just gotten my uh, driver's permit, and, you know, we had, we practiced down at Wheaton College as a team. And so this, this pulled students uh, of that age bracket from across the state, uh, and then we competed uh, against other states regionally. And so... Um, you know, playing for Matt at that age, he was he was charismatic. He was passionate about the game. Um, he was jovial at the training sessions. And you know, when we made that trip down to Ryder that year for the competition, we were short one car. And so, my mother, who drove me up there, he said, "All right, take our car, Matt. Coach, you drive it, and you know, Matt will be with you." And so, Coach and I drove down to Ryder together uh, when I just had my permit, and, and uh, been lifelong friends ever since. That's incredible. I mean, because uh, you know, as a young kid you go away to college you have great success at providence you're having a good time new friends new peers and everything else but obviously the drive and the connection led you right back to kush got you right in the door with coaching Correct, yeah. So I, I finished my degree and uh, had some internships in sports marketing and wanted to continue to, to play and chase the pro game for five years. And at, at one point during Cush's career, he was a scout for uh, 
the uh, Metro Stars, I believe it was. And uh, when I was building my resume post college, I gave him a call uh, as as a as a reference, and uh, you know, asked him if he had any connections, and we had that conversation. And then the next thing out of his mouth was, "You have any interest in coaching? Because I'm looking for a new assistant." And uh, you know, at that point, I was 20, you know, two, 23 years old, and, and had been inside the box, inside the field for years, and never been really outside of coaching. And so, um, presented with that opportunity, um, needed some time to reflect on it. Gave me a couple weeks, came back, I, I took the gig, and, and uh, spent two falls with Cush down at Wheaton uh, in Norton. Mass and uh, and here I am, 18 years later, and still in college coaching, and uh, and have him to thank for it. Well, as we start to think about uh, supporting the Matt Cushing Fund, what's the best way to describe Cush off the field, Matthew? I, you know, the rooms that I would be associated with Cush in, you know. People would gravitate to him. You know, everyone was excited to see him. Uh, we have this wonderful organization in New England called NISL, and every year at the convention for United Soccer Coaches, we have a NISL reception, and we've honored him the last two years. Uh, there is a group, and uh, he people would just gravitate to him. He had a little bit to say to everybody, and uh, everybody really appreciated his advice and guidance and, and stories. And uh, and the soccer, the college soccer world is a, is a small world. We tend to all know everybody and um, there's always a connection and, and Kush was a big part of that. His coaching tree is pretty broad. A lot of his uh, former student athletes went on to college college coaching gigs or high school gigs or club gigs and uh, and so he's got a lot of branches out in different elements and uh, you know, that's what I think is, is what's most important. Let's say up in heaven, you know, Ziggy Schmidt and some of these great people, uh, Walter Barr and Coach Cushing and some of these coaches that we've lost here sitting around and they just happen to get the SoundCloud and can listen to this podcast. What do you think Coach Cush would think about uh, you guys doing this, trying to raise $25,000 to award an annual scholarship to a deserving coach from the New England area? What would Coach Cush say? I think it, he would be really excited that we're trying to continue young coaches' education and push them outside of their comfort zone and provide this opportunity. Uh, when I first got on board with with Cush, you know, I hadn't done any licensure yet. Um, he happened to be at the time the the national chair for the Division Three Rankings Committee. So every Monday, you know, we sit down, shut the uh, office door, and and pull in all the regional rankings and compile the national list. And so from my first moment with Cush, he was giving back. You know, that's not a paid position. It's a it's a it's a grind. You have accountability, and uh, and it was a way for him to give back to the game that had given him so much. And so, you know, seeing that firsthand, living that for two years in his office, you know, I, I am now since I've been a head coach. Now, I was the East Coast chair for the uh, Scholar All American, and now I'm the national chair. And so, giving back, it would make him smile. And you know, I think that he. Um, you know, would be excited that uh, it's going to go to a young coach from New England, and uh, and kind of keep paying that forward every year to give young coaches opportunities to broaden their horizon, and these young coaches uh, a chance to be part of the convention where it's a really great networking opportunity, uh, and maybe get outside what they call their norm. Well, because it is a grind, right? You don't make millions of dollars necessarily, right, uh, in coaching. You do it around the love and passion of the game. So this uh, Cushing scholarship can do a lot for uh, a young man or woman that uh, needs a little help, right? Absolutely. You know, and, and, and you, know, you, you, you took words right out of Cush's mouth when I met with him that day. He said, listen, you know, in college coaching, you're not going to make a million dollars. You're not going to be a millionaire, but you don't have to wear a tie every day. And if you love the game enough – 
it'll give you a great, great uh, life. So, um, so those were some words that stuck with me. And uh, you know, he was fortunate enough to be able to live on Cape Cod and commute up 495. And in the Division Three model in New England, you don't really have to go too far for games. And so, observing that lifestyle, I said, I think this is something I could do. Knowing that it would have been his 53rd birthday today, knowing that we're you know really trying to, to let people know about Coach Cush and the Matt Cushing Fund, what uh, what's your message to folks listening right now uh, as we close out here on uh, contributing, and where can they go to contribute? So my message would be that if you take 15 seconds and reflect on the mentors in your life and have the opportunity to contribute to uh, the next person in line, you know, uh, whether it's advice or financial contribution, that this is an avenue that we've set up to help the people that are involved in this industry in New England, where Matt Cushing is from and love being a part of, um, to take the time to help us with this cause. And uh, on the United Soccer Coaches website, you can go there up in the top right corner. There's a link that says Donate, um, and you can navigate from there right to his page. There's a nice description of why we're doing this uh, and the ability to make a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. And uh, this is something that has started off really well for us. And this day of giving is going to be an exceptional annual event as we celebrate Matt's life um, and the start of the college soccer season. So uh, it's just a nice opportunity to pay things forward. It is the goal of the Matt Cushing Fund to raise $25,000 to award an annual scholarship to a deserving coach from the New England area and to carry on Matt's charismatic spirit. His spirit lives strong today. He would have been 53. Matthew O'Toole, we wish you all the best at Clark University. More importantly, thanks for doing this for Cush. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Phenomenal breakdown on the Matt Cushing Fund. Donate today, folks. Tell your friends to donate as well. Great cause. Also want to thank Amanda Mitchell, the development officer for United Soccer Coaches, for bringing us Matthew O'Toole and this great cause. Speaking of young coaches, as you remember, the Matt Cushing Fund will help a young coach in New England. We continue to follow a theme of young coaches getting an opportunity to be a head coach at the college level. K.O. Wasserman, Nikki Elsasser have been featured in recent weeks. Ellery Gould, who went to Bolden up in Maine, went over to Sweden to play, studied in England, back to Bowden as an assistant, is now the head coach for Caltech D3 women's soccer all the way out in Pasadena. I like her story. Hope you will too. Ellery Gould, up next on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap. Team Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents. Very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. Simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think Team Snap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that I found. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. If you've been listening, and based on the numbers, I can tell you have been. We appreciate all of you listening to 
our United Soccer Coaches podcast, but we've been developing a theme over these first few weeks with the college season now upon us, and that is talking to young men and women who are getting the opportunity at a pretty young age to be a head coach at D1, D2, or D3. A few weeks ago, Kale Wasserman getting his first shot at being the head coach at SIUE. Last week, we talked to Nikki Elsasser, who is a head coach at the D3 level at just 25 years old. And now we talk to Ellery Gould, who, by the way, is another member of a former 30 under 30 class. As you know, you're getting to know the current 30 members. Well, Ellery Gould, like Casey Brown, a former member of the United Soccer Coaches 30 under 30. She was there in 2015. And guess what? She's now the head coach at Caltech out in Pasadena, California. Pretty nice place to live. And she's kind enough to join us now. Ellery, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Ellery, I like your story. You uh, grew up in Sandwich, Massachusetts. Can't ask for a better name of a town than Sandwich, (laughs) I got to believe. And you went to Bowdoin, right? Bowdoin College. And remind us, Bowdoin is D2, D3. What is that? Yeah, Bowdoin is D3, and we're part of the NESCAC League. Okay, perfect. And you were a big-time player there, big enough to go play over in Sweden and then over in England a little bit while you got your Masters. And then the that's when the coaching bug definitely hit you hard. It probably hit you hard even earlier than that. You went back to Bolden where you're a longtime assistant, associate head coach, and you get this opportunity. Is that a pretty good snapshot? Yes, it is. Yes. Um, yeah, I got this opportunity at Caltech. And back um, last spring, I started the interview process, and I got hired in April. So now I'm out here full time and getting settled into to California life. Well, yeah, let's let's walk through that one because, as we said, you're from New England. You went to college in Maine at Bowdoin. Mm-hmm. You studied uh, overseas as well in England, and now you're living in beautiful Pasadena. How's that adjustment been for you and your family? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a long way from home, and probably as far as I could possibly get within the United States from Maine to Southern California. Um, but I actually have family out here in L.A., so my aunts and uncles, and I have some cousins in the area. Um, so that was part of the draw for sure, but it is an adjustment just being so far from home and from my dad and my brother um, and all my friends back in Maine and Boston. Um, so getting used to that, but, you know, Pasadena is a great place to be, and um, everybody's been super welcoming, so it's been a, a good adjustment. Yeah, her twin brother, by the way, Ben, is uh, back there with her father. So why why Bolden? What made you pick Bolden to play soccer? Yeah, I so I started, um, you know, the college search, and I was looking at a lot of Division One schools, um, mostly in New England, and then I was also a basketball player. So that was kind of my, my first love was basketball, and I played AAU and traveled all over the country um, with my State Magic Elite team. Um, so my sophomore year, I started playing club soccer and kind of became more interested in pursuing soccer at the collegiate level. Um, but then I heard of the NESCAC League, where it's very possible to play two sports. In Division Three. you're able to be a dual-sport athlete. So I'd met with the boating coach at the time, who was Marin Rojas, and she came to a bunch of my soccer games. And then the basketball coach, um, I was in touch with her, and she came to a lot of my high school games. And so the possibility to play two sports at the college level was really intriguing. Um, So I went down that route and visited the college in Maine and just fell in love with it. So it was kind of one of those moments where you step on campus and just, you know, you feel that that gut feeling that this is the right fit for me. Um, So, yeah, I went on and played both soccer and basketball for 
all four years there. Um, and it was just an incredible experience to be a part of two teams and two successful teams. And just, you know, you make lasting friendships and have this, this media family when you're on campus. So, um, but yeah, Bowdoin was great. It's great enough that I returned for five more years to coach and be on the other side of it. Best moment as a Bowdoin basketball player, best moment as a Bowdoin soccer player? Ooh, good question. Um, best moment as Bowdoin basketball. So we, my senior year, we made the NCAA tournament. We actually made it all four years, which was exciting. Um, but specifically remember my senior year, we, for the first round of games, we traveled up to Ithaca College and we won our first game and then we were playing Ithaca, that second round game, and we won in the last second. And it was off a rebound that I had grabbed and put up to finish. And it was just so exciting because it meant the next game we were traveling down. Um, we were able to get on a plane and get to our next game in Virginia. Um, but we had five seniors that year, and it was just a really special group. And to this day, they're my, you know, some of my best friends. So it was um, just one of those exciting moments where all our family and parents were there and everybody stormed the court afterwards. Um, but I still remember just the intensity and down to the wire, um, how, how exciting that was. So definitely the tournament play was always a big highlight for our basketball team. Um, yeah, and then let's see, soccer. I, I mean, the tournament time was always an exciting time with NESCAC, and especially in NESCAC, um, every single game is competitive. You can't take any opponent lightly. Um, and I would say one of the highlights was going back to my freshman year, and we were playing our, our rival Tufts, and it was in the, the first round of NESCAC play, and we had just played awesome defense. Our goalkeeper came up huge. She made something like 20 saves that game. Um, and then we ended up winning in penalty kicks. And it was just, you know, my first sort of experience in the NESCAC and getting into playoffs as a, as a freshman and just how exciting it was to, to get that big win for our senior goalkeeper who had kind of the game of her life. Um, so it felt great to be able to put away and, and win in penalty kicks. Great answer. So what was it about soccer and or at least the coaching and, in fact, playing professionally over in Sweden that beat out basketball for you as far as your next step in your life? (laughs) That's a great question. I mean, I always loved basketball, but there was something special about soccer and just having the freedom on the field and a little bit more creative play um, and then just having, you know, a lot more teammates on the field and having, you know, that um, sense of being able to have to relate, you know, on and off the field and have that chemistry going and building that. And yeah, I just, once I was overseas, um, kind of seeing the Swedish style play and then being in England, um, and still being part of a university. Um, but yeah, soccer has just kind of turned into my, my love and I've been involved with soccer without borders as well. So I was in Nicaragua right after I was in England, right after I was in Sweden, I volunteered, um, to promote women's soccer and girls' soccer in that area. Um, so there was just, you know, using soccer's brought me all over, and I just knew I wanted to stay involved in some capacity, and I stayed pretty close with my previous coach from college, Marin, and um, and then I had stayed in touch with Bree Smithson, who's the head coach at Bowdoin, and I was part of her hiring process, actually, my senior spring. So we kind of stayed in touch over the two years, and then she created the assistant coach position right as I was finishing up in England. Um, so she had reached out, and I was like, yes, I absolutely want to do it. I get, got back from England, drove up to Maine, had my interview, and then next week I was hired and got right into it. So the timing couldn't have been better, and 
Um, and it, luckily, I had stayed in touch with Bree, and she um, was kind enough to extend the the offer to me. So, yeah, it was kind of a, a no-brainer, and it really worked out well to go back to boat in a place I love that gave me so much, and then I was able to give give back um, kind of on the coaching side of things. So what are you going to bring from your time at Bolden as an assistant coach, including being the associate head coach in your final year to the head coaching position at Caltech? Yeah, good question. So Caltech, it's an ex- really an exciting time for this program. We're only heading into our third season as a program. Um, so just, you know, they've had two seasons under, under their belt. Um, we have actually 12 freshmen coming in this year. So we have a lot of young talent. Um, we'll have 27 on the roster, so it's it's really, you know, in that regard, um, we've developed quite a bit in the last year, because last year it was only 21 players, so um, yeah, there's a lot of just excitement around this year, and kind of reaching that next level of competitiveness, um, and as, you know, a former student athlete at Bowdoin, that's definitely what I brought to the field, the court, um, and I also brought that to my coaching style and my philosophy, and I believe if we can compete on the field and in practices and put ourselves in, you know, game situations where we might be down or we're up and we have to figure out how to preserve that lead and just go up once go up against each other. Um, I think, you know, competitiveness is what I want to bring from day one um, and having the experience of getting into the postseason and playing against some of the top teams in the country, like Williams and Middlebury last year, um, just understanding what, what is required to compete at the highest level and what that means in practices, and it means, you know, focusing on the little details, focusing on the process, um, you know, forming goals and making sure we have those goals, but taking it day by day. So very much want to bring the theme of competitiveness to every single day in practice and then really focus on, you know, the little details. And a big part of that, too, is with a lot of new players, creating a sense of trust amongst everybody, creating the bonds right away, really building our our relationships from day one and we have a two-week preseason so a lot of that time will be spent getting to know one another understanding you know how to motivate one another on and off the field because I really believe that the team chemistry is so important to, to what happens on the field. What do you remember most about the interview process and when you got the call telling you that you got the job? Yeah it was it was a really exciting time. Um, I flew out here on a Sunday, and, you know, it's kind of a, a long flight, so I was pretty nervous on the flight coming over, just preparing my notes, and then I remember getting to campus and just thinking, wow, it's beautiful here, there are, there's no snow, because um, <laughs> it was all in the middle of, you know, a blizzard back in Maine, so I remember just thinking, what a beautiful campus right away, and then just meeting everybody at Caltech, it was a really friendly, open environment. Um, a pretty small athletic department, so everybody was, um, you could tell, had a strong relationship and very supportive of one another. Um, but yeah, I just remember meeting with people from admissions and the administrative staff here, and everybody was, you could tell, really um, invested in one another and just wanted everybody to succeed and wanted our athletic department as a whole to grow. Um, so yeah, the people stood out right away, and um, the athletic director, Betsy Mitchell, um, she also was a big reason for why we have women's soccer. So it was very clear to me that she 
was inspired by the program and really invested in developing women's soccer. Um, so that, that part was also very intriguing for me to, to be a part of a new program and develop it together. And Ellery, uh, besides knowing that you would smoke me in an arm wrestling competition, what does it mean to have a level one certification from USA Weightlifting? Because I know that was uh, something that you also brought to the table at Bolden. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I... Um, yeah, I was certified at Bowdoin College, and I was part of the strength and conditioning department. So we have a head coach at Bowdoin, and I was his assistant. So I worked with uh, 13 of the varsity teams, both men's and women's, and I was involved in three days of lifting. So I'd be down in the weight room just um, directing and teaching and mentoring and then also leading. Um, we did speed training, so that would be a variety of agility and conditioning uh, twice a week. So that was all in the off-season and, yeah, so I'm going to bring that same mentality and philosophy, and I want to continue to grow uh, the strength and conditioning program here, starting with soccer and then hopefully working with other teams as well. Pretty much all my friends that uh, come from uh, either twins or triplet situation, they're pretty competitive, naturally competitive. You are a big-time basketball player, soccer player, strength and conditioning, assistant coach. So i got to believe you have this pretty high competition level. So with that as a backdrop, correct me if I'm wrong about that, what are your expectations as a first-year coach where sometimes maybe wins are you know harder to come by? Right. Um, yes, growing up with my twin brother, we went one-on-one a lot in the backyard with both basketball, soccer, you name it. It was always competition. So I, I give a lot of my competitive nature to him. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, I, at the end of the day, I'm more focused on the process. And, of course, I love winning and I want to win. But I also understand that wins will come um, when you take care of the, the details. So, you know, I think, again, it's going to go back to – you know, setting clear expectations, setting our team values, our mission, and really working and collaborating with the team to understand, you know, it's been two years, where do we want to go from here? And it's going to take every single, you know, every member of the team, all 27 players to start in that direction. Um, So I think, you know, if we do the little things right and work on the details and the process, the results will eventually come. Um, so I think, you know, as a person who wants to win, it will be, I'll have to, you know, keep myself in check and make sure that I'm always looking back and just making sure the experience for the players are, is my most important, um, goal. And then, and then the results will come. So I just have to keep, keep a, an open mind and a positive outlook. All right, last thing, and I, I don't want to spoil all of it because I know you want to save some for your players, but, uh, you know, your first practice is right around the corner. What's the kind of yeah. most important takeaway you want to leave with them at your first practice? Yeah, yeah, it's coming up really fast. We start on the 19th, and we'll we'll have doubles for the first two weeks. Um, so, yeah, I think right away we're actually starting with our fitness evaluations and as you know it's really important to be conditioned to be at our our top notch um capacity so i'm going to harp on the importance of our physical strength and our fitness and our conditioning and just you know to play 90 minutes we have to make sure we're all in the best soccer shape possible um and i think you know heading into this season it's a lot about it's up to us to create our legacy and and make history really so um you know, looking at this as kind of a something that is bigger than each and every one of us. It's very much, you know, this is a 
a third year women's soccer program and it's you know we don't have much to lose there's no pressure on the the results it's more let's create what we want and just create a lasting legacy that you know 20 years down the road we can look back and be proud of what we started as a group of women all right Ellery Gould the new head coach for Caltech the Beavers D3 women's college soccer Ellery great to meet you thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast of course thank you for your time Dean it was great talking with you Great talking with Ellery and great talking to two current members of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 class, Evan Bransdorfer. He, too, is a brand new head coach at a college. And Melissa Charlow, who played at North Carolina and at Penn State. She's had a fantastic career. She's also a new mom. We'll meet Evan and Melissa after this message. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coach, Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. As you've heard me say in the last couple weeks, favorite part of the show is we get to know more members of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 program. Remember, 15 outstanding women and men under the age of 30 doing amazing things in the game of soccer around their passion and love of the game. And let me tell you, if you meet Evan Bransdorfer, you will not doubt that love or passion. I had the great opportunity to meet him last year as part of Tim Lenahan's Messy and Me presentation at the convention in Chicago. And Evan, I'll tell you, he lights up a room. And no surprise, if you listened last week, you heard Ross Liberati talk about just getting a brand new job as a D3 head coach. Well, this man, Evan Bransdorfer, he's four days in uh, at the taping of this show. It'll be, I guess, 15 or so when this one airs, as he's the new top man at Sarah Lawrence College, a D3 men's school in the Skyline League. Evan, congratulations, my man. Thank you, Dean. Really appreciate it and really uh, excited to be on with you. Yeah, well, first off, let's talk about getting this brand new job, as, as you were right, Ross, talking about it last week, brand new job, and now you got a brand new job as a top man. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, hey, this, you know, me and Ross both joked about it, this 30 under 30. Mm-hmm. I know the honor and award was more than kind of getting a cool pat on the back. It's been, you know, a great opportunity um, to really showcase our ability and showcase kind of what young coaches in this country are doing. And, um, you know, as, as proven by Ross and as proven by myself, it, it's worked out uh, just how both of us would have liked it to. That's a phenomenal stamp for United Soccer Coaches and this 30 under 30 program. I appreciate uh, you giving absolutely. it that stamp, Evan. Now, let's do this. Give us the elevator speech. Start from where you were born, where you played, where you've coached, and how you made it all the way to Sarah Lawrence. Let's hear it. Yeah, um, so I grew up in East Brunswick, New Jersey, about uh, 10 minutes from Rutgers University. Um, after that, I, I had the opportunity to go play Division One college soccer at Temple University. Um, enjoyed my time there. Uh, after Temple University, I got the amazing opportunity uh, to go play overseas in Scotland while I was receiving my master's um, from the University of Sterling. It was a master's in sports coaching. Um, after playing for a bit and unfortunately getting a little bit injured, um, I was able to come back and start my coaching career uh, with Lenny Armas at, at Drew University, one of my uh, absolute mentors and, and one of my very good friends. Um, after that, I uh, was at NJIT for a season, 
Um, and then after NJIT, I got to kind of go back and work with one of my old club coaches and one of my absolute biggest mentors, uh, Julian Richards at St. Peter's University. Um, and as of about, uh, as you said, about four days ago, I had the opportunity to accept this, uh, this awesome position at Sarah Lawrence College. Um, and, you know, haven't, haven't looked back in the, in the four days that I've been here. And I'm really uh, looking forward to the future. Well, and I asked Ross as well about, uh, you know, coaching staff and all the details that got to get done. I mean, as you prioritize, knowing that this is going to air on August 15th, I mean, let's just start there. What do you want to have done by the time this airs on August 15th, Evan? Because you got a lot of work to do. Absolutely. Uh, I'd love to have my preseason itinerary completely checked off and good to go with my athletic director. Uh, I'd love to have an assistant coach, so if anyone, hopefully I do have one by then, but if anyone <laughs> hears this by uh, August 15th and I do not have one, please give me a call. Um, and, you know, just to be ready, just to have the guys, um, you know, for me and for the guys to be ready to go when this season starts and really kind of implement my style and my team culture from day one. And I've probably practiced what I think my first speech is going to be about 10 times, and I'm sure I'll practice it another 20, and it'll be very different from the first 10. So i uh, just really excited to, to get everything going. Well, I talked about the energy you bring when, when you meet you. You really do light up a room. As you're laying in bed right now four days into this, what is the thing you're most excited about as being the top man, and what are maybe one or two things that uh, maybe keep one eye open? Yeah, um, I think the thing I'm most excited about is, like I said earlier, just really establishing a team culture. I think that's a really big thing for me and for my guys to understand. You know, my big thing is I want this time next year, I want the guys to know exactly what's expected of them. It's expected of them from me, what's expected of them from their teammates, what's expected of them from the people at this university, at this college. Um, and I think that's very, very important. Um, the things that you know make me a little bit nervous is there's no more driving home after the games saying, "Wow, wish my head coach had done that." I, you know, now I'm looking forward to an assistant coach driving home on his drive saying, "Wow, I really wish Evan had done that." <laughs> um, but you know, it's kind of the, the good and bad of, of, of the new position. Um, and you know, the other thing that that gets me you know excited and nervous at the same time um, is kind of really just you know embracing all of it and the little things and the big things and the paperwork and the recruiting and you know the fun part is standing on the sideline and they call your name and then you win and you do the huddle and you're excited. But you know, the hard part comes with doing all the little things. In between, so that's going to be the biggest learning curve for me. It's just going to be all those little things in between. Evan Brandsdorf, for knowing that you're going to make a lot of great memories at your time at Sarah Lawrence College, and those memories are coming. I'm going to ask you to give me your best memory as a soccer player and your best memory as a coach, any level, anywhere so far. Start as a player, then roll right into your best memory as a coach. Yeah, I think my uh, my I have, uh, my best memory has got to be uh, when I was a senior in high school at East Brunswick. Uh, we were playing a undefeated uh, North Brunswick team against a team that had kicked our East Brunswick team out of the uh, GMCs, which is the Greater Middlesex County Conference Tournament, two years in a row. Um, and my senior year, um, kind of when uh, played an undefeated team, ended up scoring two goals, had an assist. And really, uh, you know, soccer memory that I'll that I'll never truly uh, forget, and then something that made me very happy. And you know, you, you never get over you know winning something like that for your high school, you know, no. um, which is something pretty cool and something pretty special. Um, and my favorite coaching memory um, at this point has to be um, when I was at NJIT. Um, we had the opportunity 
um, to play Navy, who at the time was a fantastic team and a top 25 team. Um, and they came to our place, and I was, as a second assistant, really involved with the marketing and selling of the game. Um, and we were able to have uh, almost 1,400 fans at that game. Um, and we won a great, great 1-0 win for the NJIT team. And it was really, you know, as a second assistant, you don't really affect necessarily the tactics or the formations or the gameplay too much. But it felt really special knowing this is this is what I had a hand in affecting. This is what I could kind of control. And, uh, you know, I was very happy and proud of kind of what, what was able to be accomplished. Fantastic answer, one that uh, brings a big smile to my face. And knowing that uh, you're a player from New Jersey, I mean, let's face it, uh, men or women, some of the best players to ever wear the red, white, and blue come from New Jersey. So can you tell us one player that you played with or against that we might know or maybe we don't know, but that was just amazing? You're like, man, I could do without playing you know, against him or he was so good, I'm glad he's on my team. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a slightly strange answer for you, Dean. Um, the best ever that I've been around is Heather O'Reilly. Um, <laughs> I grew up in East Brunswick, New Jersey, same town as Heather. Um, I used to remember watching her as a you know a couple years behind her in high school and just being in awe of what I was seeing and the, the, her kind of level of dominance. Um, luckily enough, she came and actually ran one or two sessions with my club team back in the day, and it was just just an absolutely incredible experience from an incredible person and an incredible player um, that, again, even without being the, the same gender, I was always just absolutely blown away by, by kind of everything about her. Um, so I know not the, uh, the traditional answer, but just kind of being anywhere around her when she was playing in those high school, college days was, was something, to be, uh, something to behold. I love that answer. I actually just saw her this morning at the Carolina Coffee Shop, a place she owns with her husband right there in front yeah. of the street in Chapel Hill. And then I called the game on Saturday. She came off the bench to get in, which was great because it's been so hard for her to get some time with a talented North Carolina Courage team, but Absolutely. Paul Riley says she still shows up every day in practice, gives it all she can, despite uh, such a long, long career, and sure enough, she got some playing time, so she's still, this is going to be it for her, but she's still getting yep. it done, Evan, so that's, that is a good that, pick, right? That doesn't that doesn't surprise me in the least, you know, all those positive things you're saying about Heather doesn't surprise me in the least, and funny enough, I got a nice, beautiful text from Heather congratulating me on this job as well. So I always hold a, a special place in my soccer heart. Oh, that is big time. She is actually, uh, I'm at a radio station where I walked by and they said, hey, coming up, Heather O'Reilly, they're promoting the ICC coming to Wake Med Soccer Park on August 15 and 18 when Atletico Madrid, Man City, Lyon, and the North Carolina Courage. It's going to be incredible. Almost 40 players from the World Cup will be featured in wow. that tournament. Uh, but more about you. Uh, this is going to be another tough one, but uh, 10 years from now, where does Evan Brandsdorfer want to be? Uh, I, I want to be right where I am. I want to be the continue to be the head coach of Sarah Lawrence College. Uh, I want to be kind of making this program into something special. Um, you know, traditionally known as a, as a women's school, as a seven sisters from back in the day. Um, but I really kind of want to change that men's program into uh, something that you think about. And when you think about teams in the New York, New Jersey, Metro, Connecticut kind of area, and you think of, you know, the G3 powerhouses, you know, I want that one day to be a team that you think of. Um, and that's kind of where, where my tenure goal is. And your and your United Soccer Coach's mentor is who, Evan? 
uh, just Ricky Clark, who is a uh, club coach who's down in Georgia, down in California, and funny enough, one of the very good friends uh, with my own mentor, uh, Julian Richens. So it was a, it was a good con- connection. Uh, it was a great guy, really you know, really appreciated everything that we talked about. I know you're kind of kidding about, hey, if August 15th, you don't have an assistant coach. But either way, if people want to know more about your path and how you got to where you are, is there an email or a Twitter or some way they can follow your story, Evan? Absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, so my email, it's, it's, a, it's a long, annoying last name, as you could imagine. Um, but it is, it's, right now it is E. Brandsdorfer at sarahlawrence.edu. And that's E B R A N D S D O R F E R at sarahlawrence.edu. That that is a good one. Evan Brandsdorfer. I'll tell you what, I knew this was going to be great, Evan. I really appreciate you coming up and saying hi at the convention in Chicago. And man, congrats on getting the job at Sarah Lawrence. I know you're going to do great things. Thanks so much for being with us, Evan. Thank you, Dean. Really, really appreciate you taking the time. And I look forward to keep listening to all the podcasts and, and keep hearing what everybody else in the 30 under 30 uh, has to say. I'm just as excited to hear everybody else as I am to, uh, to hear my own recording at some point. You and me both. Melissa Charlo is up next. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Getting to meet several more members of our Elite 30 Under 30 program for United Soccer Coaches. The stories have been fantastic, each one better than the next. I hope you've enjoyed them as much as I have. Pleased to be joined now by Melissa Charlo. She is a club soccer coach for MDLA. That's Mountain View Los Alpos out in California. She has uh, had an interesting trek all over the place. She's also the mom to 11-month-old Riley, so a true soccer mom, and she's with me now. Melissa, thanks for being with us. Absolutely. And you hear the phrase soccer mom a lot. You've dealt with soccer moms a lot. (laughs) Now you are a true soccer mom. What's that been like? Oh, it's been awesome. Um, You know, it's it's so different and puts things in perspective and um, you know, you just want to be such a good role model to her and, um, you know, love taking her out to, to the fields and getting her around the older girls. And I think it'll be um, a really good fit for our family moving forward. So, Yeah, it's great. Another one of your fellow members, Taylor Brown Adcock, just had a baby girl as well just a couple weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. So <laughs> certainly exciting to uh, learn about uh, all of you, not just coaching, but living your lives and growing your families. It's awesome. So congratulations. So happy Thank for you. you. Yeah. Thank well, you. Yeah. Let's get to know Melissa Charlo. She's a pretty good soccer player, folks. She spent one year with Anson Dorrance, who's on our program a lot, won a national championship with him. She admitted that Anson was great about uh, maybe a better spot for her would be Penn State. So she goes to Penn State, plays for then named Erica Walsh, who's now Erica Dombach. Talk about somebody building a family. Those girls are beautiful that she has as well. So three years at Penn State, and now she is a coach. So let's go even before that. Tell us uh, where you grew up, where you played club soccer, and when you knew you wanted to be a big-time college soccer player. Because let's face it, if you want to go to UNC or Penn State, you want to be a big-time college soccer player. (laughs) Yeah, um, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, um, and it was probably around 
10 years old. My um, my club coach is Matt Potter, who now is the head coach at University of Oklahoma. And he sat down with me and my parents and, you know, just kind of put the feeler out there of, hey, she could be pretty good if, you know, if you want to commit to it and I'll help her. And um, so he really poured a lot into me and kind of made that decision to really go after it around 10, 10 11 years old. And then um, as he went on to coach collegiately, then we got Les Armstrong as our coach, who um, I'm just so blessed with the two coaches that I have. So it's kind of inspired me to, um, you know, try and be that good coach to these younger players now. Well, I like that story. I'm actually the voice of the North Carolina Courage, and Jessica McDonald is from Arizona, yes. I think, from out in that area as well. Yep. And she's she a, was on my club team growing up. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, and she's yeah. been an incredible inspiration to yeah. so many people. Her story is, is so amazing. Um, she did the opposite. She started somewhere else and ended up at UNC. So you went to UNC, uh, won a national championship, and, you know, UNC has 40 players that could all be starting all over the country. Obviously, I'm exaggerating just a little bit but barely <laughs> barely right yeah um, yeah yeah so talk about winning that title and then the the notion of going to Anson and saying hey maybe there's a better fit um yeah no that year was just incredible um you know we were really close I went in with a lot of my youth national team um teammates into North Carolina so we just had an awesome time great culture just worked really hard that team um for sure just was talented and then had a huge just competitive drive to them so um really great really hard decision to leave um you know just that atmosphere and um a lot of my really good friends there and um yeah Anson was great after that season we just kind of sat down together and evaluated what my goals were in soccer and if those could happen at Carolina and he gave me plenty of time and space to make that decision and then um fully supported uh, my decision to head to Penn State. And so, um, yeah, I really am grateful towards Anson of how he handled that situation. And um, then even afterwards helping me, you know, get some of my first jobs and um, being willing to help after that student meant a lot to me. Well, you get to go into Penn State the same time that Erica Walsh Dombach arrives yeah. there, and you're a sharp cookie. You've seen the list of candidates even for the USA women's job. No surprise that Erica Dombach's name <laughs> is on there. She's a big-time coach, a big-time person, yeah. right? Yeah, she's incredible. Um, she was one of my um, youth national team coaches, so I knew her before, and I just as soon as she called, um, I was so excited. She's just an incredible person, just takes care of her players, values her players. Um, she's still she FaceTimed me a week ago to make sure everything's going well. And so she's just awesome. And then as a soccer coach, I mean, you don't get much better. She's just, um, you know, she loves the game. Um, she loves just to play pure, good soccer and organized soccer. And um, so, yeah, that was, I knew it would be a great fit um, as a person and just as a soccer player as well. So, had a blast those three years, and, um, you know, Ann Cook, the assistant coach there as well, um, just built a really great relationship with her. So um, couldn't be happier with, with both of my experiences at Carolina and then um, at Penn State. Yeah, when you're around all those great coaches and uh, great respect for Coach Cook as well, it's not too surprising that you got the coaching bug. Tell us when that tipping <laughs> point came for you, Melissa. When did you say, hey, you know what, I want to do this? 
Yeah, I think I I remember actually being like frustrated because a lot of my coaches have always said like you'll be a good coach one day, and I remember Anson telling me that in the middle of our freshman year when you know playing wasn't going very well for me. I was like, oh, I don't want to coach. I just want to be a great player right now. Um, and so I actually, and then after I graduated, um, I went into teaching for about five years and then kind of that coaching bug came back and which I knew it would probably happen at some point. Um, and so then at that point, um, got an opportunity at, uh, Metro State in Denver, um, to be Adrian Pete's, um, assistant coach. So that's kind of, it wasn't really like always in me, but I knew it would come back eventually. So I'm just, I'm grateful for the timing and my experiences leading up to that. Okay. Let's make sure we're keeping track here. So we know Phoenix, we know Chapel Hill, we know State <laughs> College, we know Denver, anything before Denver? Where, where um, were you teaching? Um, I taught and I did teach for America and got assigned to Dallas. So I was in okay. Dallas for two years um, teaching in low income schools. And that's where I met my husband and then we moved to Oklahoma, where he's from, for a year, and I taught in a school for homeless children there. Wow. Um, and then we headed to Denver from there. Okay. So then from Denver, now you're into coaching, and then how did you finally find your way out to California? Um, so I was at the University of Kentucky, and um, it was just a great experience being in such an elite um, athletic department and working under Mitch Barnhart um, as the athletic director. Um, so we were in Kentucky and then um, just kind of knew I needed a change of direction. And one of my um, colleagues, Jason Goodson, he knew Albertine Montoya really well out here with MBLA. And so he kind of helped me get connected with Albertine and um, had a really good phone conversation with Albertine and just felt like our values and coaching um, just really aligned and so kind of made a way. And um, my husband worked hard, so he's a police officer, so he worked hard and got a job out here. And we headed out here and been here for about a month and a half now. And now you've got uh, young Riley there with you as yes. well. Of course, uh, yes. Albertine Montoya, know him well. Used to call uh, his games when he was the professional coach out there with that team uh -huh. that was was loaded. What was the name of that team? Yes. Uh, Pride? Gosh, I can't remember. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they were so good. They had all the yes. star players, and he did such a good – he's such a good guy too, right? Yes, he's incredible. Yeah, he's, the little bit I've been around him, um, he, yeah, as you can tell, a quality person. All – of the coaches I've gotten to meet so far, I mean, they just love working for him, love being around him, um, such a positive energy, knowledge of the game, and just the way he treats his coaches and his players is top-notch for sure. Since you were a great player and you even wanted to play pro, you went to these great colleges, you coached at some colleges, now you're coaching club soccer. What, uh, what's the end game for you, Melissa, besides being a super mom? Where, where do you want to be in <laughs> five, ten years from now as a coach? You know, I'm really open. Um, I just I want to be involved in the game. I want to... Um, be a coach who pours into my players, either collegiately or club, and I'm just kind of taking it day by day, and, you know, I'm really excited for this, the club opportunity and to get to work with young players and develop them early. Um, so right now I'm just going to embrace that, and, um, you know, I could see that being a long-term track. 
Um, I'm a volunteer with Santa Clara University, um, you know, just to kind of keep my foot in the college game and get to be around Jerry and that amazing program, which I'm grateful for that opportunity. So I'm really open. Um, you know, I don't have just a direct 10-year plan, and that's what I want to get to. Just want to be around good people, coaching good soccer, and helping people that I can. Uh, I love the simplicity and freshness of that answer. That's spot on. And you, you are around great people. You think about Jerry Smith and Brandy Chastain and Danielle Slayton and all those incredible yes. people that come out of Santa Clara. It's limitless, all with positivity and with great leadership yes. qualities for sure. Okay, a couple more questions. What was your inspiration to even apply to the 30 Under 30 program for United Soccer Coaches? My biggest thing was I just wanted to grow and learn. And so the opportunity through that to – um, just be around other coaches kind of in my level of um, coaching development and being young and, you know, I just have a lot to learn as a coach and so I just wanted to be in this program um, to learn a lot, really. All right, finally, who's your mentor for United Soccer Coaches? I have Casey Brown as my mentor. She's the head coach at Holy Cross. Um, and I'm really excited. I've heard awesome things about her. So just to connect more with her um, and get to learn a lot from her experience and the success she's had um, so far in her career. Well, we're super excited you shared all of your great success. You have, uh, as you know, been brushing elbows with all kinds of greatness. That makes you great I as know. well, Melissa, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, And uh, most especially... It's so exciting uh, about your daughter. We wish uh, you and, and your husband the, the best success with your daughter. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And we appreciate all of our guests. We appreciate Michael Knipper and Sean Chevro and the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. I'm Dean Linky. Thanks for listening.